Blog Talk Radio.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I believe. I don't just believe, but I believe God. And that's tonight's message for you that are listening. This is part two of Believe God and Live. I want to welcome everyone listening to Reaching Out Radio International around the world, wherever you may be listening. And uh, I just want to bless you in the name that's above every other name, the name that's higher than every other name, the matchless, magnificent, glorious, all-majestic name of Jesus. That's the name in whom I come tonight or wherever you happen to be listening. This is your Sister Pearl with In the Word with Sister Pearl, and I am so privileged of God thanking him for this opportunity to break the precious bread of life for you yet another time. Wow, you and I are living in some very tumultuous times. We know that the nation of Israel has been hit, and I have never in my life seen so much confusion about what's going on. And yet when we read the word of God, we know that Israel has a very special place in the heart of God. We know that our great Messiah was born when he came to the earth to live and to sacrifice his life for you and for me. He came to the Jewish nation not only for the Jewish nation, but he had to come uh, belonging to some people, and he came to the Jewish nation. So Jesus, in the natural, was born into the Jewish nation. And God has a very special place in his heart, even before Christ came to the world. He's called Israel to be his own. And because of Israel, because of the father of our faith, Abraham, God promised Abraham that all the nations of the world would be blessed. And if you're Gentile, like I am, that means that you and I have been grafted into this wonderful vine because of Jesus and his blood and his righteousness. So now the great plan of salvation is not just for the Jew but to everyone that puts their faith in Jesus Christ. Before I begin tonight's message, and I want to do part two of what we were talking about last, especially for the nation of Israel. And will you please uh, bow uh, your hearts in prayer with me as we go to God and ask him to please, please, Lord, remember the nation of Israel. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you humbly, and we come in accordance with your will because you told us, blessed are those who pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And Heavenly Father, we know that this, the big war, there's so many pieces involved in this, so many things that we don't know about, and only you truly know what is going on in the hearts of men, in the hearts of women that are involved in these nations. We just come humbly before you and we ask you to surround the nation of Israel with your divine angelic host. Give them the victory. Lord God, let the true Israelites rise, the ones who truly love God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the only true and living God. And we know that Jesus is the Messiah, not only for the rest of the world, but Jesus is the Messiah, the Yeshua HaMashiach, even to the Jewish nation. We pray, God, that tonight many, many, many Jewish men and Jewish women, Jewish young people would come to the knowledge of the truth that the Messiah that they're looking for is no other and no less than Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. We pray for godly intervention 
divine intervention in this war that is taking place. We pray, God, that you would protect innocent civilian lives, be they Israeli or Palestinian, the innocent, dear Lord, the ones that are civilians, the ones that are not looking for war, the ones that are not looking to shed the blood of the innocent. We pray that you would spare them. And for those that are desirous of doing that which is wickedness, to try to prevent Israel from being a nation that you've made it, that you've called it to be, that you will uh, take care of the situation. We know that vengeance is yours, says the Lord. And so we trust you that you will do what is right. We know that at the end, you always do what is right, what is just. And so we don't have to question what you do. We place our faith and trust in you. I pray for all of the, the loved ones, all of the family members that lost people in their family because they were slaughtered, because they were bombed, because they were tortured and then killed. Dear God, put your loving arms around these grieving families. And minister to them in the way that only you can. And cause the rest of the world to come to a place of understanding that we're all in desperate need of Jesus. This is my prayer. And, Lord, I pray that for the remainder of this next 45 minutes or so, that you will so anoint your handmaiden that I might bring forth the word that you placed in my heart for part two of believe God and live, that we would understand how critical it is in these days, in these hours, in these moments, to fully surrender to you and fully believe you, fully trust in and rely upon you, O God, so that we might be able to live not only in this time, but that we would live eternally with you forevermore. This is our prayer. Beat back the forces of darkness. We come against every distraction that would try to keep us from hearing the word of God or from understanding the word of God. Open up spiritual eyes, spiritual ears, spiritual understandings, O oh God, that your word might go forth on good, fertile soil and bear great fruit. Kingdom advancement, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And again, I want to thank uh, Evangelist Montel Fields, the visionary behind Reaching Out Radio International. I want to thank her for this opportunity to be one of her hosts uh, on this program. So grateful to you, woman of God, and thank God for you. May the Lord continue to bless you, shine upon you, and cause you great peace and great success great protection, great advancement, great blessing, and a lot of great fruit in your ministry, Reaching Out Radio International. So I want to go back. Those of you that heard uh, last Sunday night's teaching, if you did not, I would encourage you to go back and listen to part one of Believe God and Live. In it, we were talking about how Paul the Apostle, when he was in a ship that was uh, so in such turmoil and being hit by the waves, ferocious waves. Finally, they got still. All of their lives were saved. Well, he had heard a word from the angel of the Lord because the angel spoke to him and told him these words uh, that they would be okay. So then he, in turn, told all of the men on that boat, on that big ship, he said, therefore, take heart, men. For I believe God that it will be as just as it was told me. It's going to be the same way that the angel of the Lord told me. And I want to tell you tonight that you and I need to believe in God in order for us to live. Now, we are living in very, very uncertain times. We don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. Think about Israel. Israel was at peace. Israel was uh, in celebration mode. And at 6 a.m., 
I believe it was October the 7th. Many of them never lived to see the nighttime because over over 2,000 of them, from what I've heard, already have lost their lives. Suddenly, disaster came upon them. Just as it was in 9-11, it was suddenly. People went to work, World Trade Center and different uh, places in that area, they went to work, and many of them never came home. Did they know that they were going to lose their lives that day? Of course not. It came upon them suddenly. Now, I don't want you and me to live in fear, but you and I have to be ready because we don't know from one day to the next what is going to happen. And so I'm exhorting you under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to believe God and live. And you might say, well, if I die physically, then I'm dead. I'm not living. No, no, no. Believe God and live. Because what I'm going to talk about tonight in part two is that we live when we're in Christ, no matter what, whether our physical bodies uh, perish, we're more than a physical body. We're spirit, and our spirits are going to live. The question is, are we going to live with Jesus, or are we going to be eternally separated from him and be tormented? And I tell you, I think the worst torment I can imagine is to be separated from God Almighty. I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 11. Now, I did last week, and I I ended around that portion of Scripture, but I want to go back to that a little bit because I was rushing when I saw the time, and I didn't really read through some of the verses that I wanted to. So I want to start from verse 35 of Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, Or maybe no, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back a little bit. Um, to Hebrews 11, verse 32. Let's start with 32, and then I'll go to 35. But 32 reads like this. And what shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, also of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the sword, the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Wow. And how did this all happen? God works with his people. And these are people that exercise faith in Almighty God. Because verse 33 said, who through faith subdued kingdoms. So it's not that if I come to God and and have no faith, that God's going to be doing all of these miraculous things on my behalf. Got to exercise faith in God. God wants me to exercise faith in him. Amen. And it says clearly, I say it for the third time, who through faith subdued kingdoms, They worked righteousness, obtained the promises of God, stopped the mouth of lions. Now, did they do this in their own strength? No, they did not. God is the one who wrought those miracles. But God works with people who believe him and that he he is who he says he is. The word of God says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Actually, it starts like this. But without faith, it is impossible to please, I'm going to read from the Amplified, the classic Amplified, but without faith, it is impossible to please and be satisfactory to him. Who is him? They're referring to God. Whoever would come near to God must, necessarily believe that God exists and that he is the rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him, seek him out. 
not just passively sit down, you know, whatever happens, happens, and, you know, I'm neutral either way. That kind of an individual will not walk in the miraculous. That type of an individual with that mentality will never uh, see the faithfulness of God in the way that God would like to reveal it. You need to exercise faith. Again, I'm going to read, but without faith, it is impossible. It's not going to happen. It's impossible to please God if you have no faith. It's impossible for God to call you satisfactory. You will be unsatisfactory. For whoever would come near to God must, has to believe that God exists and that God is a rewarder of all those who earnestly and diligently seek him. Wow. Tremendous. And so we were reading in Hebrews 11 and 32. So these are people of faith, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, the prophets. These are people that exercise faith in Almighty God, and they saw the miraculous. They saw God turn to flight the armies that were coming against them. Even women, in verse 35, it says, women received their dead raised to life again. Now, the message title is Believe God and Live. And I promise that all of us will be miraculously saved from hardship or sudden death. Of course not. Hebrews 11 continues in verse um, 35, which is coming right after um, 35, I should say, part B, because the first part of 35 says, Women receive their dead raised to life again. Then the same verse of 35 says, Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. I want to stop there for a little second. What does that mean? Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. You and I, and I'm going to be real now, I'm talking to all the nations of the world, talking to Africa, I'm talking to Asia, I'm talking to Europe, I'm talking to South America, North America, I'm talking to, you know, the Caribbean, talking to Australia, all the Oceania countries. Some of us are going to be tested. And some of us might even be tortured. Other Christians in places, especially closed nations, have been tortured. Some of them lost their lives. They lost their physical bodies. Why? Because they did not accept deliverance. That means they were told by the enemies of God, if you will just reject God, disavow any allegiance to God, confess that you no longer believe in God, well, then we're going to allow you to live. Really? A real believer in God cannot choose to live a life without God. And so the real man and women of God or boy or young girl, they will say, no, I'd rather that you kill me obtain a better resurrection. So you might hurt my body now, those that have been martyred. That was their testimony. You might hurt my body now, but I will be eternally with my heavenly father in heaven. I'll be with God. I'll be with Jesus. I'll be with my Lord. I will obtain a better resurrection. The question is, what are you and I prepared to do? You and I have got to be prepared according to the word of God, according to Jesus himself, if we're not willing to lay down our lives for the cause of Jesus Christ, then we cannot be true disciples. And so Hebrews 11.35 um, 
said about others were tortured. 36 says still others had trials of mockings and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens, in caves of the earth. All of these, I love verse 39, and all of these, the ones that we talked about in verse 32 to 34, all the strong ones, like Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all these others, the women that received their dead race to life again, and also the groups that were tortured, not accepting deliverance, they 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 were um, they were beat, they were sawn in two, they were slain with the sword, they were burned at the stake, they were destitute, they were afflicted, they were tormented, they wandered in deserts. All of these obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. In other words, they allowed all of this because of their faith in God, and some of them did not even live to see when Jesus came to the earth, which was the promised Messiah. But they had already placed their full faith and confidence in God. So what I want to stress tonight is that you and I never know how we're going to leave this earth, whether we will leave simply, die in our sleep. We don't know. Or we might be tortured. We don't know. But in either way, we need to believe God and live because the life that we're going to live is always to honor God whether we're in the body or we're out of the body. However we find ourselves, we should know that our desire is to believe God and live. I remember when Lazarus had died and the Lord did not come back area where Lazarus and his sisters were living until four days after he was already dead for four days. And Jesus said to his sister Mary in John chapter 11, verse 40, did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? The Lord wants us, wants you, wants me to believe him and live. Now, it just so happens in John chapter 11, if you read it, that Jesus did resurrect Lazarus from the dead, just to show that he has the power to do that. And the same God that raised Lazarus from the dead will raise you up, will raise me up, if our physical bodies die, we will be raised up to be with Christ eternally. Eternally. I, I have to share with you a story. And it's out of the book of the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 18 through 23. Very interesting story because Jesus was telling the, one of the chief apostles, Peter, the chief apostle actually, Peter, how he was going to wind up dying when he got older. I want you to listen to this. John chapter 21, verses 18 to 23. Verily, verily, I tell you, these are the words of Jesus now speaking to the apostle Peter. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hand, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? So, of course, he was talking about John the apostle. When Peter saw him, when Peter saw John, he asked the Lord, 
Well, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that the disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? And, of course, John, the great John, the beloved, did pass away. Jesus was not saying that he would never die physically, but he was telling Peter, even if I wanted him to never die, what what do you have to do with that? In other words, Peter, you follow me, you love me, and let me choose the way that I want you to die on this earth. And when it's John's turn, then he will go the way that I want him to go. And that's how you and I have got to live. Trusting God that no matter what, whether we be martyred or we're not martyred. We want to live to glorify God. I love that part. It's so clear. Verse 19, I want to say it again, of John chapter 21. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. See, you and I have to glorify God whether we live in the body or we die in the body. We are, we, we are more spirit than we are physical body. So our spirit is not going to die when we've given our life to Jesus Christ. We will never die. And that's what Jesus meant about you will never die. We need to live free in Christ, trusting God fully, knowing that whether we live or die in the natural, we're with Christ and are alive in him, forevermore. So believe God and live. I like this verse in Romans chapter 4, verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, remember that back in the day, Jesus did not come in human form and, and live a life and then was crucified and resurrected. Jesus had not even come yet. So, but Abraham still believed God. And it was accounted to him, his belief in God was accounted to him for, for being righteous, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home. Oh, that's another verse. But I just want to say, God appointed righteousness to Abraham because he believed God. So it's extremely important that you and I believe in God. I'm going to show you an example of a, of a man that believed in God so much that he said this in Matthew chapter 8, verses 6 through 8. Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another one, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. How would you, listening to me tonight, or whenever you're listening, morning, afternoon, midnight hour, how would you like to have Jesus marvel at your faith? That's deep. Verse 10 said, when Jesus heard, meaning when he heard the words of the centurion, Jesus marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. So in other words, Jesus never did go to his house to heal the sick servant. All he did was speak the word. This is the same God that you and I 
must believe it. Great God, awesome God. There is none like him, not one. And what does the word believe really mean? We talked a lot about belief last week, and now we're talking about believe again. Well, I want to tell and just reiterate, what does it really mean to believe in God? It means to be convicted, to be convinced by, to trust, to have confidence in, to consider truthful, to regard as true, accept as true, give credence to, give credit to, put your confidence in, count on, rely on, depend on. Wow. I believe. Believe God. As truth. I hold on to this as my opinion. I think, I I, I suppose, actually, it's, it's better than this. I'm just reading the, the dictionary uh, definition, but believing in God is more than just having an opinion. Because believing in God is putting your full confidence and trust in who God is and what he said. It's accepting as true what he said. It's feeling sure of the truth found in Christ Jesus. That's believing God. It's holding on to what God says for dear life. Well, then you're believing and you're believing God. Well, who is God? God is creator. God is sustainer. As it says in Psalm 104, God is the redeemer and savior, according to Psalm 25 and verse 22. God is the vindicator of the innocent. Psalm 26, God is the giver of mercy to the guilty. Aren't you glad about that? God is the giver of mercy to the guilty. Dear Lord, if we confess our sins, according to 1 John 1, 9, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is who God is. So who are we to believe? Are we to believe just in anybody, in anything, at any time? No. I don't even believe that much in my own ability, even though I thank God that he's, he's given me some capability and some skills and some gifts. That's nice. But my full confidence is not in what I can do. It's in what God can do and who God is. I would be having no hope at all if I was just depending on myself or other people. We know that doesn't work. That only can take us but so far. And not too far as, as, as that. Then we know that God is a spirit. He's infinite. He's eternal. He's unchangeable, meaning unmutable, in his being. He's all wisdom, all power. He's holiness. He's just. He's good. He is goodness. He is truth. That's the Westminster Catechism of Faith. Let me read it to you. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being. Wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And that's just a very slight abbreviated definition of who God is because God is so great that he's unfathomable. I could spend eternity talking about how good God is. First of all, I don't even know him in his vast depths. I can't. You cannot. We're limited in our understanding, but we have enough of the word of God to understand this, that God is good, God is great, that God is loving, that God is kind. But the same God is a judge, a righteous judge, not an unrighteous judge, but a righteous judge. 
because he's holy. So when you and I believe God, we're placing our full trust and confidence in the only one in the entire universe who has the power, because he's omnipotent, the only one who knows the full story, all of the details of any given situation, because he's omniscient, all-wise, and the only one who is ever-present, the only one who is Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there, present God. And I want to read you something, a very familiar portion of Scripture, but I want to read it in the, in the text, in the context of what I've been speaking about last Sunday and tonight, that we need to believe God and live because you and I have no idea what is about to take place. We don't know. It could be sunny one day, and it could be stormy the next day. It could be peaceful one minute, and it could be total chaos and unrest the next second. It could be calm and chaos. We don't know. But in all, we need to believe God and live. That's what we need to do. So I'm going to read to you from Romans. Did you already guess it? That's what I was going to read. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 to 39. What then shall we say to all this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe? If God is on our side, who, he who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, Will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect when it is God who justifies? Who shall come forward and accuse or impeach those whom God has chosen? Will God who acquits us? Who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah, who died, or rather who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God actually pleading, as he intercedes for us, who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution or hunger or destitution or peril or sword, even as it is written, for thy sake we are put to death all the day long. We are regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet amid all these things, I'm reading it again, yet amid all these things, we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us and, thank God, continues to love us. For I am persuaded beyond doubt, I'm sure, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things impending or threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Mr. Pearl just read Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39. And what is the message tonight? Believe God and live. So when we believe God, we live. Come what may, whatever the circumstance. The Bible says it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. For we know that if the tent, which is our earthly home, is destroyed, talking about the physical body, we have from God a building a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Then later on in that chapter, lower down, verse 8 of Second Corinthians 5 says it like this. We are confident, yes, well pleased. This is Paul the apostle talking to the church at Corinth. Well pleased rather to be present from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul was telling the church, look, if I 
continue to live, this is this is a benefit for you because I can help to teach you and strengthen you and show you the way. But if I if I go to be with Jesus and if I leave my body, it's gain for me. So he said, again in Second Corinthians five and eight, we're confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be present, to be absent. I'm sorry. Well, please, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. In other words, Paul was saying it would be better for me to be absent from my body and to be present with the Lord. Now, present means you have to be alive. So remember that this physical body, at some point or the other, it's going to go anyway. It's just a matter of when. Everybody, except you're going to be raptured, but everybody else is going to experience physical death. Young people do, old people do, middle-aged people do. I want to believe God and I want to live. I want my life to be lived for God. What about you? I want everything that I do to revolve around God. I want Jesus to be front and center. I want to talk a little bit about, before we pray and close out, again, about the day that we're living in. I don't know why every preacher is not preaching from the pulpit to get the people ready. We might live another decade, another two. I don't know. But I can also say I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And if you want to be honest, neither do you. You cannot guarantee me or yourself what's going to happen in 24 hours from now. We don't know. Just as I brought those examples to you before about 9-11, about Israel that just took place just two weeks ago, a little over two weeks ago, and they're still at war now. Who would have thought that a month ago? We had no idea. We don't know. But you and I are living in that time that Jesus talked about. And, and you might say, well, Sister Pearl, what are you talking about? What time are you talking about? We're talking about the time that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter uh, 24, that's the time I'm talking about. Because the people wanted to know, you know, tell us, when when are these things going to take place? Because um, Jesus was telling them that not one stone would be left upon another. He was talking about the temple. And, and he was asking them to pay attention to what was going to be happening to the temple in Jerusalem. He said, do you see all these things? Truly, I tell you, there will not be left one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And while he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, well, tell us, when will this take place? What will the sign of your coming and to the end of this age? Jesus said, be careful that no one misleads you. Don't let anybody deceive you. Many are going to come in my name, okay? They're going to appropriate my name, even though they'll be using it falsely. And they'll be saying, I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah. And they're going to lead many people astray. And then in verse 6, he says, and you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened or troubled, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines and earthquakes in place after place. Are you and I living in those days or not? You better believe we are. All this is but the beginning, the early pangs of the birth pangs of the intolerable anguish. Verse 9, then they will hand you over to suffer affliction and tribulation, put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Are you ready, believer? Are you ready, 
man of God? Are you ready, woman of God? Are you going to be like one of those in Hebrews chapter 11 that the writer said that they suffered persecution and were tormented because they were looking for the better resurrection? They were not looking for a quickly deliverance just to save their skin. Many people are going to be offended by, by God and by his ways, and then they're going to leave God. They're going to be repelled, stumbling. They're going to be betraying one another. They're going to be pursuing one another with hatred. I know what this is like. I'm experiencing some of this right now. And then he says in verse 11, many false prophets will rise up, deceive, and lead many into error. This is going on as I speak. And the love of the great body of people will grow cold because of the multiplied lawlessness and iniquity, meaning sin, transgressions. Are you and I living in such times? The answer is yes, we are. We're living in these days that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24. And this good news of the kingdom of the gospel will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then will come the end. The end is not going to come until all tribes, all nations will have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why, you know, I love serving on the mission field. I love getting that word out because as fast as that word goes out and as many people get to hear the word of God, the closer we come to the Lord's return. And be careful. Be careful that you will not be taken away by some false Christ, some false Messiah. There's only one Messiah, Jesus Christ, and he left to go to his heavenly Father. He sent his Holy Spirit to be with us so that the Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us into all truth. But Jesus promised you, he promised, and I promise that what he said is true. He will be returning. So what do you and I do in the interim? What do we do between the time that he left and the time he's going to come back? We believe God and we live. We believe God and we live. We trust God. We follow God. We put full confidence in God. We trust God to the point that, Lord, if you desire that I be martyred, then I know your plan is best. If you desire that I remain to help the others that need to know how to follow you and how to come to know you and how to escape eternal wrath and damnation, then I will stay here and remain here. Whatever you say is best, God, that's what I will do. Because I believe God and I live according to the plans and the will and the purposes of God Almighty. That's how you and I must live. That's how you and I get up, sit down, lie down, turn around, walk, jump, move. That's how we live. We live for Jesus. We believe God, and we live for God. Come what may. Happy times, good times, rough times, testing times. We believe God. We believe God and live. And live. As long as God gives us breath, we live for God. We don't just go in some corner and hide and let me just wait for the, for the Lord to return. No. We're busy to occupy. We're busy doing the work of the Lord till our last in the physical, in the body, in the literal body. Because we know the minute we leave this physical limited body, we go to be with Jesus. We just transfer from the mortal to the immortal. Wow. That's the promise of God. And God is a great God. He does not promise 
<laughs> no wonder the Apostle Paul said, to live is good. To die physically is even better because I'm going to be with Jesus. But I don't want to go one minute before my time because I want to fulfill God's purpose for my life on the earth. And I want you to have the same testimony, that you will fulfill the purposes and the plans that God has for you. And whatever way that he wants you to glorify him, whether it's to live or whether it's to leave this body and be translated to the other body, your eternal body that will never die, that it's so be it. I want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Oh, dear Lord, we thank you for every man and woman listening to this message tonight, that we need to believe you and live. You want us to live in peace. You want us to live in joy. You want us to live in expectation of the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And, Lord, we want to, we want to extend our faith and be like those believers in Hebrew chapter 11, that come what may, we believe God. We believe God. We believe God no matter what. Like all of the different situations that we read about in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 to 39, we know that nothing will separate us from your love. No situation on the earth. God, I bless the people. I pray that they will cry out to you. and They will make you Lord and master of their lives. That they will be eternally protected and safe in Jesus. Father, bless them until this time next Sunday night when we have our broadcast again. The Lord love you. The Lord bless you. Let his favor shine upon you and give you great peace and great rest. Remember now, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Until next time, this is your sister Pearl. God bless you. The Lord loves you so much. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.